Thank you, Talala. Our song leader was an usher, and our sound room guy was a pianist. Appreciate you men filling in and doing different things. All right, take your Bibles and turn to 1 John, please. 1 John chapter 5. And let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Tonight our attention is on verse 14 and 15. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. We're talking about prayer tonight. And uh, let's follow along as I read, please. The Bible says, And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. May God bless his word. Please bow with me in prayer. Father, we come before you. We come boldly into your throne room as you've invited us in your word. We thank you that we can do that because of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, that we are invited to do that. We thank you that you are ever attentive to the prayers of your people. And Lord, I pray that tonight you would bless the scriptures and the proclamation of your word. Your word, we know it does not return void, but we also know, Father, that it will not profit those that hear it if it is not mixed with faith. And we pray, Father, that you'd use your word, that we would respond properly because you are speaking to us. Father, someday we're going to stand before you. We're going to have to give an account. Lord, some on the great white throne judgment day and some at the Bema. I pray, Father, for those that are not saved, that they would understand your criminal justice program and how you must punish sin and there will be justice and how Calvary has addressed that issue and given us a chance, an opportunity to have our sins forgiven. Help us not to make light of Calvary. Help us not to snub it or ignore it. Help us to respond and be saved. And Father, I ask your blessing on the Scriptures tonight. Glorify yourself, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. I want to remind you to be praying. Several folks are away. And I, I don't want to mention their name. I'm reminded more and more that we're streaming. We have to be careful in, in what we say. So pray for those that are traveling. Um, please pray for Titus. We mentioned Titus that um, you know he is recovering. I talked to James this morning and he was able to talk to Titus. Titus is, is healing. He's back at work. Uh, but just please pray for that young man and for his family. And we have many other needs so keep one another in prayer. I want to invite you to join us for our prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Right now we're meeting online, which enables many people to be a part of it. Uh, a lot of people, when they work, work till like 5 or 6. And we're grateful, and we will be opening up eventually where people have to, you know, will come. Somehow we hope when we open the doors for a prayer meeting, we'll be able to incorporate Zoom uh, as well. But we want to invite you. All you need to do is, is uh, let me know that you're interested in receiving the link for our weekly Bible study in Sunday morning and then Wednesday. And then we just send out a, a different link with a special uh, link that you connect through Zoom. Getting that link doesn't mean you have to go. Uh, you can get it every week and only attend once in a while. That's what many people do. We love having people. 
And we are very blessed. We'd love to have more people pray. We need more people praying. We need more people at our prayer meetings so that when we do open up, we have a really good, uh, a good support group. Uh, that concerns me. Uh, I am looking forward to, I'm praying that God, and I'm counting on God doing some good things in our church, which means souls need to get saved, the gospel needs to go out, and God's people have to be committed. So please pray with me for those things. And speaking of prayer, let's talk about it tonight. First John chapter 5. Uh, we are at uh, message number 50, and it is on prayer. Uh, confidence in prayer. Now, many weeks ago, in fact, on January 6th, we were at part 33. We were at chapter 3 and verse 22, and the message then was also on prayer, and it was on answered prayer. Tonight, we're going to look about confidence in prayer. In fact, let me just read to you what that text was in January uh, it's 1 John 3.22, And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him, because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Many believe that uh, when John was quoting that, he was re- recalling the teaching of Jesus. In John chapter 15 and verse 7, Jesus said, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. That was a promise of the Savior for answered prayer. And John's statement in chapter 3 and verse 22, Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight, is a promise of answered prayer. And our text tonight, verse 14, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us, and if we know that he hear us, and here's the promise of answer prayer, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. God promises to answer prayer. But what does that mean? And as I mentioned in January when we were preaching that, does that mean we have a secret genie available to us? to grant us our wishes. And that prayer is so that we can simply, it's just the magical prayer, uh, you know, that we rub the lamp as, as, as it were, and then whatever we desire, we get. Now, we're going to look at that tonight. Of course, James chapter 4 and verse 3 is the caveat. I mentioned that word this morning, the caution. James chapter 4 and verse 3 says, You ask and have not. Because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lusts. So if you think that God is just a genie in a bottle that's going to grant you every whim and every wish, whether or not you're walking with him, whether or not your child, you're his child, or anything, uh, you don't understand prayer. The purpose of it, you don't understand the promises of answered prayer. Which, by the way, is very important. If you're a child of God... You need to take advantage of prayer. Not so you, you, you get what you want. But we're going to talk about it. And, and there is the promise of answered prayer. So let's talk about it tonight. Um, three things we're going to see from this text. And then let's just jump right in. We already have prayer. First, we see confidence in Him. Verse 14. This is the confidence that we have in Him. That's how it starts out. And that's important. 
He's going to talk about prayer. But how does he start it out? He says, this is the confidence that we have in him. And then he talks about prayer. But the confidence is in him. It's not in the magical prayers, the words that we say. It's not that there are special prayers. Prayer is a outflowing of a relationship with Jesus Christ. So we're going to see confidence in Him, then confidence in having His ear. Verse 14 again, this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Now this, this is the confidence. So you, you kneel down or you, you get alone or you're in your car. And you, well, don't close your eyes when you're driving, but you're praying. You talk to the Lord. You just start talking to Him. And by the way, He is available 24-7. He does not sleep. I, I love the showdown in 1 Kings chapter 18 where uh, the prophet of God challenges the prophet of Baal and they pray from morning to night for their God to do something and, and there's no response. And I love the, the mockery you know, of Isaiah or uh, Elisha. You know, where is your God? Is he, is he on vacation, sleeping, that kind of thing? And then... The prophet prays, and immediately God responds. And that is the kind of God we have who does answer prayer. But it's important that you and I realize, first of all, we are not prophets in the Old Testament economy. So if you've, if you've called down fire from heaven on someone and, and nothing's happened, uh, there's a reason for that. <laughs> and so, uh, anyway, and then thirdly, confidence in answered prayer, verse 15 if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of Him. Now back in January, when I preached on answered prayer, when we were looking at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 22, I shared three testimonies from somewhat modern day uh, people, Christians, and how God answered prayer. And I'm going to go back to some of them. I might not have time for all of them. But I want to go back to some of them. I use them in that message in January, to illustrate some things about prayer. And I want to continue that. I am always blessed by reading the biographies of great Christians of the past. Those that had mighty prayers, and mighty prayer life. Those that walked close with God. And those that saw God do great things. I am encouraged uh, by missionary testimonies, and again, biographies of uh, Strong Christians who walked by faith. And I'm going to share with you a few examples. Uh, but men like Hudson Taylor, men like George Mueller, men like Adoniram Judson are men whose biographies, and there's so many more, you just hear how they trusted God and God answered prayer. Not always exactly the way they wanted. So let's jump in. Verse 14, 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence. The word confidence is, uh, another word for it is reliance. This term that is translated confidence. This is the confidence. This is the reliance that we have in Him. So here's, here's the dependence that we demonstrate in our God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. That's prayer. It's prayer that the invisible God, who does not speak audibly at this point, at this, 
during this dispensation, God does not speak audibly to us. So our challenge is we are required to walk by faith. So we close our eyes and we pray or we get alone and we talk to God, whether audibly or just in our hearts. And this is the confidence we know somebody's listening. We know that we're not just speaking empty words like so many people that don't believe in God think that, wow, and it, it must look foolish. If you don't believe in God, you think there is no God, and you see anybody praying, it must be the most ridiculous thing. Because they're talking to the air in their mind. They're talking to nobody. But to a born-again believer who is absolutely confident that there is a holy God sitting on the throne who sent His Son to die on the cross... And the very evidence that he died and rose again and was seen with evidence, witnesses, many infallible proofs. We know someday, folks, we are going to see him. You, you ever think about that? Someday your eyes, my eyes, we're going to look on Jesus Christ. Now, if you're saved, it's a big blessing. We shall see him. We'll be like him because we'll see him as he is. That's a promise to the Christian. And then there's the other one that we talked about this morning. But first, confidence in prayer is first confidence in Him. That's what prayer is. We are approaching the invisible God because He is omnipotent. We know He is omniscient. He's all-knowing. We know He is omnipresent. And it is an amazing thing when we look at the Scriptures for the fact that God is not a man where His ears would get weary, Isaiah says, And it's an amazing thing to me that I can pray right now and there can be 5,000 other believers, and I hope there's many, many more, at the same time I'm praying that are also praying and our God is able to hear every one of them and give them individual attention. You and I, human beings, we could not do that. We can't even take two people talking to us at once. You ever have that? You know, two people talking to you, trying to get your attention. And, uh, and maybe some of you that grew up in big families, your dinner table, kind of like ours growing up. Oh, there's far more than just one or two people talking at a time. You got a lot of people talking at a time. And, and it can get overwhelming, can it? But thousands of people praying, and the God of heaven is able to hear and tend to each one. That's the kind of God we have. This is the confidence that we have in Him, and if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Now, let me go back to our uh, one of the examples we, I gave last time in January. was a missionary to Zaire, which is now the Democratic Republic of the Congo, and it was a doctor named Helen Rosevere. Let me, sh- real quickly, so, some of you were probably here, you may remember this, but um, she told of a story that a mother, it was a medical missionary, and they had a mother at her mission station, who died after giving birth to a premature baby. Uh, They tried to improvise an incubator to keep the infant alive, but the only hot water bottle we had was beyond repair. So we asked the children that were around in that village, we asked them to pray for the baby and for her sister. And one of the little girls responded, and here's what she prayed. She prayed, Dear God, please send a hot water bottle today. Tomorrow will be too late because by then the baby will be dead. 
And dear Lord, send a doll for the sister so she won't feel so lonely. That's what she prayed. That afternoon, a large package arrived from England. The children watched eagerly as we opened it. Much to their surprise, under some clothing was a hot water bottle. Immediately, the girl who had prayed so earnestly started to dig deeper, examining. And she said, if God sent that, I'm sure he sent a doll. And she was right. And underneath the other stuff was a doll. The Heavenly Father, their Heavenly Father, knew in advance that child's sincere request because that package... Now remember, she prayed this. They prayed and they needed it today. Five months ago, a ladies' missionary group in a church from England had put this package together and sent it off. Now this was uh, some years ago. It took some time to get there. Five months ago. And God knew this little girl was going to pray exactly what she prayed. Now that to me, that is our God. Is it not? He knows ahead. He's planned it all. And, and you know, the faith of a child who just prayed. Now I want to ask you something. Is, does that happen every time? Hmm. Be, can you imagine if it did? We wouldn't need to walk by faith, would we? We'd just, we'd just pray, and then we'd be like, okay, where's the, where's the mailman? You know, where's, the, where's the package? But God doesn't answer that way every time. In fact, what if it was one of the other children's prayers that God had answered more specifically? What if it was one of the other children's prayers that nobody heard them pray? See, God answers prayers his way and in his time and as a heavenly father only for what's best for us. I want to remind you what Jesus said in Luke chapter 11 and verse 19 about or 9 and following about prayer. He said if he said ask and it shall be given you seek and you shall find knock and it shall be opened unto you for everyone that asketh receiveth he that seeketh findeth and to him that knocketh it shall be opened unto you. And then he said this If a son asks bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give for a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? And of course the implication is no. But you would say, well, what son would ask for a a stone? What son would ask for a scorpion? He's only going to ask for things that he needs. But the point is, in fact, Jesus then said, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And, And God answers our prayers as a good heavenly Father, not to bow to our wills, but to give us what is best. He does answer prayer, Over and over again, he invites us and challenges us to pray. But you and I need to understand that we are also... Remember what it says. This is the confidence that we have in him. Not this is the confidence that we have in our prayers. Not this is the confidence that we have in the way we pray and what we pray for. 
Because we don't always know what we ought to pray for, Romans 8 says. And so our prayers are us bringing what we think is the best that we need, um, a bread, a fish, an egg, things we think we need, but we are then giving it up to God to, to, to give us what is best. And so our confidence isn't in our prayer abilities or the words that we say. Our confidence is in Him when it comes to prayer. I've been thinking about this. Remember Abraham in Genesis chapter 18? God is getting ready to judge Sodom and Gomorrah, and Abraham starts to pray to God. And he asks, Lord, if there's 50 righteous in, in these cities, will you spare and not judge? Remember he said, shall not, the, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? That's a big challenge. And he, he had fear and trepidation when he brought that first prayer request to God. He wasn't swaggering up to God and saying, yo, how about sparing the city? He was, he was understanding. He's talking to the omnipotent God who has the power to answer and to judge. And he was very hesitant. He said, Lord... If there's only 50 righteous, would you please spare that entire plain? Five cities, actually. And the Lord said, yes. If there's 50 righteous, I will not judge and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And then he said, Lord, and, and he was so hesitant. You know the story, right? Brought him down from 45 to 40, 35 to 30, all the way down to 10. And then in Genesis chapter 15, excuse me, Genesis chapter 18, after he brought God down and he said, okay, I will not do it for the sake of ten. And it says in verse 33, And the Lord went his way as soon as he had left communing with Abraham, and Abraham returned unto his place. Now I want to submit to you, was that an effective prayer session that Abraham had? If we interviewed, because folks, did Sodom and Gomorrah get spared? They did not. Because there weren't ten righteous there. There were only four. And so God destroyed the plain. It was demanding justice. Uh, it, there was such wickedness going on. So if you and I were to interview Abraham about that time, do you think Abraham would say, you know, hey Abraham, how about that prayer session? Do you think that Abraham would say, pfft, well, that was a waste. I don't think he would. Because prayer is more than just, I got what I wanted. I remember a commercial. I've said this before. Nobody remembers this. It was probably the 70s. It was a commercial of somebody. It was uh, Cracker Jacks. And it was a kid, I think. Anybody that remembers this commercial? There was a kid that would open it up the thing. And he or she would say, I got what I wanted. And that's what the kids said several times through the commercial. Got what I wanted. You know, the Cracker Jack used to have the prize. Anybody remember that? Okay, to the older, some older people. They do remember. My, the younger generation, no, because we're talking ancient history here. But I remember. And is, so is that prayer? I got what I wanted. You know, is that what it's all about? It's the only success of Genesis chapter 18 if Abraham, and well, technically he got what he wanted, but maybe for maybe we realize in this, see, Abraham was not omniscient. 
But why did not why would not Abraham say, "Well, that was a waste of time." I'm certain there was at least ten righteous people, and there wasn't even ten. It was not a waste of time. See, prayer, again, is more than just you and I pulling God's strings. It's you and I communing with God as a father and a son. It is having a relationship with God and knowing that He is invested in our lives and that He's involved and that He responds. But He's not going to give us something that He knows is not best for us. And you and I have to, our confidence again is in Him. One writer said this. He said, in light of the fact that the prayers you know, wasn't answered and that his desire for Sodom and Gomorrah being spared did not take place. They said, yet God specifically revealed the fate of these cities to Abraham to draw, him, draw out of him an intercessor's heart of love so even before the time of Jesus, Abraham could be conformed into the image of his son, Romans 8.29, who is himself an intercessor, Hebrews 7.25. In other words, and I think he's on to something, is that what God is calling us to do for prayer isn't just, again, like I said last time, it's not just, it's not so we get what we want, the genie in the bottle. It is so much more deeper than that. It has to do with our relationship with God as a father and a son, and him caring for us, and us depending on him. Is that what your prayer life is like? Speaking of Jesus, I want you to think about a moment in His life. God the Father and God the Son, that relationship. The Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew chapter 26. He brings His disciples. He says, come and watch with me and pray. He knew what was ahead. Calvary. He knew that He was going to bear the sins of the world. This cup of of God's wrath that he was going to take. And he even said before this, I have the power to give my life up and I have the power to take it. I I could call ten legions of angels and they'd come and rescue me. He said that that part later. But here's the challenge. When he went to pray, here's what he said. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39. He prayed to God. Remember, he's talking about, he's ready to face God's wrath, the cup of punishment, Calvary. Here's what he prays. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. That was his prayer request. Now, if you and I have the, the promise of answered prayer and the, the blessing of prayer, Jesus more so. Think of that prayer request. If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. That was what, in the flesh, that's what Jesus Christ was petitioning the Father. This was not a desirable thing. But then he said this in the very same sentence. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And he wasn't done praying. After he had a little interlude with the disciples... He went back to praying, and in verse 42, he said, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. I changed his his prayer a little. First he says, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Did that request get answered? Was, Was he given that 
in the affirmative? Did God respond by saying, okay, I will not have you take this cup of punishment? No. Does that mean God doesn't answer prayer? Does that mean Jesus was somehow ineffective in his prayer? Absolutely not. We see the, and of course this, the Trinity, uh, we see some amazing things happening between the three persons of the same one triune God. It's an amazing thing that you and I will never fully wrap our heads around. And then finally the Bible says in Matthew 26, 44, and he left them and went away again and prayed the third time saying the same words. So three times he prayed. First one he said, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Then two times he prayed, oh my father, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. What an example for us with prayer. In fact, going back to our text here in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. That's the promise of answered prayer. And that's why when James chapter 4 and verse 3 says you ask and receive not because you ask amiss, you're out of line, you're only asking it to consume it upon your lusts, you're being selfish, you're looking for self-glory, self-gratification, not for God's interests. And that's, that's not good for you. God is more interested in your spiritual well-being because that is the best thing for you. If you're not saved, God's going to do everything He can in your life to get you to be saved. And if you are saved, He's going to do everything in in your life to create that wonderful fellowship with Him so that He's glorified and, and you are getting His best. So we have confidence in Him. Second, we have confidence in having His ear. And this is where, verse 14, this is confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Second example I gave last time that I want to comment on. Uh, Missionary to Mongolia, James Gilmore. Uh, This is an amazing, this is a weird prayer request that that he had. You got this missionary, he's in Mongolia. And he's not a medical missionary like the previous one. And he was once asked to treat a wounded soldier. He wasn't a doctor. He did have some knowledge of first aid, aid. So he felt like he couldn't refuse the request. There were no doctors there. So he dressed the wounds of two of the men, but a third had a badly broken thigh bone. The missionary had no idea what to do with such an injury. So he knelt beside the, the, the man and he asked the Lord for help. He didn't know how God would answer his prayers, but he was confident that his need would be supplied. He couldn't find any books on physiology in the primitive hospital, and no doctor arrived. Now, think about it. In this situation, in his mind, that's, that's the best way God would answer prayer. Oh, look, here's a medical a book on how to fix a, a broken hip or leg, thigh bone leg. That would be an answer to prayer, wouldn't it? If he didn't know that book was there and all of a sudden it was there. Or if all of a sudden some guy with a stethoscope starts walking up out of nowhere and saying, hey, I'm a doctor, can I help you at all? No, that would have been the most logical thing. And that was, you know, but he just prayed, Lord, help. And um, to complicate matters, a crowd of beggars then came up asking him for money. And he's really burdened about this wounded soldier. So he, his heart went out to these ragged paupers. He hurriedly gave them some small gifts and a few 
uh, exhortations from the Scriptures. And then a moment later, and, and I love, you might remember this, a moment later, in a, he, he stared, a moment later he stared in amazement at one weary beggar who had remained behind. The half-starved fellow was little more than a living skeleton. The missionary suddenly realized that the Lord had brought him a walking lesson in anatomy. He asked the elderly man if he might examine him after carefully tracing the femur bone with his fingers to learn how to treat the soldier's broken leg. He returned to the patient and was able to set the fracture. And now this missionary, James Gilmore, would then relate that story many, many years saying this is how God answers prayer. And I love that story because... But, but here's, my, here's my point now. I want you to think about this. Because too many times... When you and I, when, when our prayers, for example, Paul in First, Second Corinthians chapter 12, he had a thorn in the flesh, he played three times. Lord, remove this thorn in my flesh. And, and that's just figurative for uh, some physical ailment that he had. And the Lord's answer, remember what it was? It was basically no. My grace is sufficient for you. And, and what was best for him was God's grace enabling him to endure through this. But here's the problem. Too many of us, I think, in this situation, we would have prayed and we would have limited God to, all right, I need a medical book, I need a doctor, and, we, and, and then you start looking for only those things. I wonder how many Christians in that scenario would have looked at that beggar and maybe tried to meet his need and then let him go on his merry way and never even would have thought that this is God answering his prayer. I probably would have been one of them. I would have been like, oh, look at this skinny guy that, that needs food. I would have never even probably put two and two together. This missionary was so confident in God that he was praying, and then he was looking for an answer. Okay, God's going to answer this prayer. And, and sure enough, in the most peculiar way, there was his answer. So Christian, do not limit God. Like Jesus said, Lord, I pray this cup may pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. You and I need to be just sold out to wanting God's best. To having confidence in Him. If you're not confident in Him, you're probably not going to be praying too much. Last, last point. Verse 15. 1 John five fifteen. So we have confidence in Him. We have confidence in having his ear. In fact, that's, you know, if we ask anything, we know he hears us. And, and that's the blessing. Just being able to cast your care upon him because he cares for you. You pray. And then you walk away and you say, okay, you know what? God's going to take care of this. Now look at verse 14. And this is the, con- or excuse me, verse 15. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, We know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Here's the last uh, example that I shared in January. And it's one from uh, Josh McDowell, who is an apologist, uh, debates, defending Christianity. He's written some books, many books. Evidence that demands a verdict and more evidence that demands a verdict were very influential in my early Christian life as I began to, to learn to defend the Christian faith. And the story is this, real quickly. Josh McDowell was attending seminary in California, and his father passed away. He was a believer. His father went home to be with the Lord. 
But his mother had died years earlier, and he never knew uh, what her spiritual condition was. He feared that his mom died without Christ, and so he became majorly depressed, thinking that she might be lost. Is what, did my mom ever get saved? He had no knowledge. And it obsessed him. And so he prayed. He said, Lord, give me the answer so I can get back to normal. I just got to know, one way or another, was my mom saved or did she die without Christ? Two days after he prayed that prayer, two days after that, he drove out to the ocean. He walked to the end of the pier just to be alone. And there sat an old woman in a lawn chair fishing. Where's your home originally, she asked. Michigan, Union City, Josh replied. Nobody's heard of it. I tell people it's a suburb of, and he's just getting ready to say what the suburb was. And she said, Battle Creek? She interrupted him. She said, I had a cousin from there. Do you know the McDowell family? No. Remember who he is. Josh McDowell. Do you know the McDowell family? Stunned, Josh responds, yes, I'm Josh McDowell. She says, I can't believe it. I'm a cousin to your mother. And then, and it was just amazing. Couldn't believe this was happening. He had just prayed two days ago. And so he said this, hoping, maybe this is an answer to prayer. He said, do you remember anything at all about my mother's spiritual life? Her response, absolutely. She said, your mom and I were just girls. We were teenagers when a tent revival came to town. It was the fourth night of the meeting and we both went forward and accepted Christ as our Savior. And Josh literally shouted out, praise God! You know, what a blessing right there on the, uh, on, the, on the wharf. It would be great if every prayer like that was answered, the way that happens. And by the way, and those, those stories of answered prayer strengthen our faith, don't they? But we don't need to see them every day. And we know that it's not going to be that way every day. Or we're not going to be required to walk by faith. He's got some of us going through some valleys where we're not going to get those kind of miraculous things. Let me give you an example. You ever hear of Cotton Mather? Who names their son Cotton anymore? You know, But Cotton Mather uh, was a pastor. was born in 1663. Actually, that's just one year after Matthew Henry. We talked about him this morning. And he was a graduate of Harvard at the age, he graduated from Harvard at the age of 15. He was the son of Increase Mather. Who, these are all uh, very important people in America's history. He prayed, Cotton Mather prayed as a pastor, he prayed for 20 years for revival. And God answered his prayer a year after he died. Came the great revival of the 1730s and the 1740s. God answered his prayer. He prayed. He never saw it. God answered prayer. Now, obviously it would have been a blessing if he had seen it, but God answers prayer. George Mueller, I don't George Mueller prayed. He had he in his lifetime he built. This was back when England was in a crisis uh, over 100 years ago when England was in a crisis with orphans. Uh, there was an incredible uh, overwhelming amount of orphans and the Lord allowed him to to start five large orphan houses and he cared in his lifetime he cared for 
10,000, this guy was meticulous about records. In his lifetime, God used him to take care of 10,024 orphans in his life. And he prayed in millions of dollars. He had a philosophy. I'm not going to go into debt, and I'm not going to ask anyone for handouts. I'm just going to only go to the Lord. And he prayed. And there's, uh, if you ever get a chance to read some stories about George, George Mueller, uh, and there's so many miraculous stories where he woke up, he had a, maybe a couple hundred orphans, and they had no, nothing in the cupboard, no food, and he prayed. Now, I remember one time, he prayed. No sooner he getting up, gotten up out of prayer than there was a knock at the door, and a delivery man who was driving a bread truck, his truck broke down, he's going to lose all the bread, and he said, can you use it? And it's those kind of things, you know. He fed the, the hundreds of orphans because he prayed. He, um, he recorded. No, or, no orphan ever went hungry. And in his lifetime, he had a, a meticulous record. He would put a, put a note of when he started praying for something. And he was very specific. Sometimes we can be so general. Lord, bless the missionaries. How do you know, you know? God's always blessed the missionaries. We've got to be specific. And in his life, he had over 50,000 specific prayer requests answered. How encouraging. I read, um, and I'll close with this. It was quite, a year, quite many years ago, I was at a pastor's conference, and there was a teacher from a Bible college. Uh, this college, I'm not even sure if it's still... It's not a Baptist college anymore. There's still a college there. But this man was a pastor and a school teacher and a, and a professor. And um, they had prayed they were starting a church. This was back in 2006 that I heard this testimony. And um, he is an assistant pastor at this church. Another teacher from that school is the pastor. And they found a building. They needed a building. And boy, I could relate to that even back then. And uh, they had out, uh, and, and so they found a building, that, uh, another church. The church had outgrown the building, and the church was appraised. The building was assessed at four hundred and five thousand dollars. This in Michigan. Now, to us, we'd be ready to jump on it, but they did not have that kind of money. They were just starting out, and so they prayed, and they got the building that was assessed at four hundred five thousand dollars. They were able to purchase it for forty-five thousand dollars. That awesome. I've heard several stories like that, and I want to tell one like that. I want to tell one like that, you know. And I and I'm counting on it because uh, you know every time I tell someone, you know, prices of buildings in Delaware County are a little different than in Michigan or anywhere else. But I'm praying, and I want you to pray too, because I want God to be glorified. One last thing. Uh, when I preached in January on answer prayer, uh, Pastor Brother Mike M.G., he's, a, he's the um, interim pastor at Lanark Hills Chapel, dear friend, precious brother, and he, Mike responded to uh, the message. And uh, he said, wonderful message. He says, I like Mark eleven twenty four, And then he said this. He said, if God's agenda is First Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, where it says that the Lord will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's God's desire. So if it's God's agenda, he says, which it is, how many are praying for the salvation of others? He put that on Facebook under our, under our streaming thing. 
Praise the Lord, Mike. Preach it. That's good. God wants souls to be saved. Are we praying for the salvation of souls? Because, folks, that is going to make the difference. Praying for souls, witnessing to souls, and then letting God save souls. If we're not praying for souls, and we're not witnessing to souls, then bye-bye, church. Right? May God help us. Let's have confidence. God answers prayer. Let's live like it. Please pray with me. Father, thank you for your blessing. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be a people of prayer. I pray, Father, that we would pray in people, that we would pray out the gospel, that we would see souls saved, that uh, you would bless over these next couple years if you tarry, that, um, that you would bless Bible Baptist Church and bring revival to the church and the salvation of souls like we've never seen because you are faithful. And Father, we're not asking you to do it because we want to be able to boast or, or, or there's any power in our prayers. We just want you to be glorified. So Father, make us a praying people and give us confidence in you so that we do pray. And we'll thank you for it. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's all